Hello, and welcome to Around the Table, a podcast about food stories from science to everyday life. Giles Yeo, you're a neurophysiologist at the University of Cambridge and an expert on appetite and obesity. Uh, We're now well into lockdown in the UK. Um, Can you tell me what your situation's been during lockdown earlier and now? So I'm, uh, oh, thank thank you so much for having me on, Stanley. Um, I, I have been locked down in my house in a little village just outside of Cambridge. And uh, look, I mean, I can't complain. I've been very comfortable. I've, because I live in a village, um, even when everything was very, very restrictive, I had a space to roam, um, you know, and I, within three minutes, I'm not going to bump into anybody significant. So this is, this is where I've, I've been. Um, from early till, till now. I guess the issue was actually trying to find a schedule and a structure. And once I actually found my schedule and my structure, making sure I woke up and making sure I got dressed in the morning. It sounds weird, but actually getting dressed, even though there's nowhere to go, um, and waking up at exactly the same time as I would, um, you know, during a normal, during whatever normal was in, in, in the past, and trying to get my exercise in in the morning because I used to commute to work. There's nowhere to commute to now. And so once I got that in to have a faux pseudo commute and to wake up on time and to get dressed, I got into things and now having interminable Zoom meetings every single day of my life. But otherwise, I'm okay. Giles, what, what's your... Uh, lockdown food been like? Has it changed in any way? You know, I've always loved cooking, but <laughs> but I typically would have saved the more intricate stuff, stuff that takes a longer time, roasting, marinating. I would save that for the weekend for obvious reasons, because that is when you'd have the time to consider, um, to plan and to put things together. Whereas during the week, during normal times, I would have cooked something quick because you come back from work, it's a family to feed, and it was quick. The interesting thing is now during lockdown, I have, even while I'm at work, it it doesn't, I could just run down to the kitchen, begin the marinating process, for example, around lunchtime, come back up, and food would have had a chance to take on flavors and do whatever they had to do. So it has changed. I have become... I and and much to the dismay of my of my wife and son who are complaining about all kinds of um, um, tight fitting trousers, uh, I have actually ended up cooking more over this lockdown um, period, or or not necessarily more, but I've cooked more intricate food throughout the week during these lockdown days. Now everybody is is not in the same position as as yourself, Charles, and you're very acutely aware of that. And I, I know you have some observations about about food insecurity um, during this period. Are you, are you happy to share some of your thoughts? I am. I mean, I am intensely aware that uh, that I we are in an immensely privileged position. I've got a job. Uh, you know, I'm working from home. You know, we're doing the research group, writing papers. But I'm being paid. That, that, that's being the, the, the crucial thing. So in other words, I can actually sit at home and do my work and find the time to cook and have the money to 
go and 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 actually drive around a bit and line up to go into the stores and do all of that stuff. Food insecurity, however, is a huge problem, a huge, huge problem. Even before we went into lockdown, there were kids, um, a significant number of people, 9 million people in this country, 9 million people in this country are food insecure, meaning that they don't know where their next meal necessarily is going to come from. They're not starving, right? People think, oh, but they're not starving. They're not, you know, skinny. They don't look like, uh, you know, they're in a famine. But that doesn't mean that they're food secure. And they relied on school meals, free school meals, kids in particular, for their primary hot meal of the day, you know, called actually school dinners, having their dinner during, um, during the day. Suddenly, COVID has happened, lockdown has happened, and this has been taken away. And these kids and their families, and these kids of families who have lost their jobs and who are no longer being paid, are now reliant on food banks. But the problem is, now we have food banks that are not being stocked up with food because of COVID. And we are now, now we are in a situation where these 9 million people, a lot of them are kids, are now really being hungry. And this is just, I think it's unforgivable. I think it's a terrible tragedy that we have this particular situation in this, what, the fifth, sixth, seventh, wherever, whatever we are these days, richest country in the world. So no, it is a big thing for me that I... Un- completely understand that I'm speaking for a, from a position of privilege. Can I follow up then a little bit? Do you, do mm. you see any long-term implications of, of, of this uh, uh, lockdown food insecurity? I do think so. Um, well, <laughs> there is not only a problem with lockdown food. Let's deal with this, the short to medium term um, problem. So, the chances when Brexit happens, okay, and at the moment, now this I'm not going into any political statement here, but Brexit will will happen. Uh, the chances of us actually getting out with a Brexit no deal are actually relatively high because uh, because of COVID, none of the usual shenanigans and and uh, um, negotiations are actually happening. And so, what then happens? What happens if we don't have a deal in place? Suddenly, food prices are going to go up. Okay, come January or whenever this is, we're not going to get out of COVID uh, before January comes along because no vaccines are going to emerge till the middle to the end of next year. And so come January, we're going to exacerbate the situation. We're going to have higher food prices um, because of because of a potential no no deal Brexit, plus the problem of trying to deal with COVID at exactly the same time. And that is only till towards the end of the year. So we're really going to have to think about how we uh, solve solve this problem. And I think at, at, at the moment, so I speak about this, by the way, just completely randomly, um, as the current honorary, but current president of the British Dietetic Association. And they're intensely, I spoke to the um, the CEO of, of the of the BDA just, just recently, and they are extremely, extremely concerned about the food security that is actually uh, uh, going to come into um, focus uh, uh, when we come to January. And at the moment, um, policymakers, government are saying it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Is it? Is it going to be okay? And so we are actually trying, we, the BDA, this is now with my hat of the BDA, a president of the BDA on, to try and get some assurances from the government that they will be putting something in place, um, you know, in order to try and make sure that the underprivileged in society will still have food security such as it is uh, when when the time comes soon. 
Giles, I'd like to turn now, if we can, to uh, to your online presence, which is uh, the hashtag Lockdown Cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, fascinating and fabulous material. And, uh, you know, it makes me want to, to cook like you cook. Um, how did it start? And, and can you describe it for us? Yeah. So, well, actually, what happened was um, pre-lockdown, um, Chinatown, London, had actually asked me to do some stuff for them, but because of COVID, this did not this did not actually uh, this did not actually happen. It will happen sometime towards the end of the year, hopefully. But what they did ask, um, so these are a PR company which which uh, uh, run the PR for Chinatown as a whole, rather than for an individual business. Okay, now I'm not going to go on and sell chocolate bars, but but I've felt that since they asked. By the way, for the, those of you who figure why this is relevant, I am ethnically Chinese, so I'm East Asian. And so I look Chinese. I am Chinese. Okay. And so they were just asking for, for help, cultural help, shall we say, uh, for, for, for Chinatown. Then COVID happened. Um, and there was a huge, a couple of things. People began pre-lockdown to avoid Chinese restaurants and Chinese supermarkets because of some racist fear that it was the Chinese uh, that were bringing, that were more likely to be bringing COVID into, into this country. And um, and then, you know, our infections rose, and then we hit lockdown. And so the PR company came to me uh, on behest of of London Chinatown, and actually to say, look, would you be willing to post just light stuff about food, where you might have got the food, under hashtag bringing Chinatown home? And um, and so I started. So I my first couple of posts were hashtag bringing Chinatown home, which I were I I was either making. Chinese food or Chinese inspired food or Asian inspired food. And at the same time, I just hashtagged it as lockdown cuisine because I thought, well, bringing Chinatown home, lockdown, lockdown cuisine. And, uh, but not all my meals, I would probably say a third uh, of my meals are Chinese inspired. And the rest of the time I felt, oh, I've made something. This looks interesting. Why don't I record something about that? And so then there was this broader hashtag or lockdown cuisine, which I put out, there was good response from you know the people that follow me, and so I continued on. That's that's how lockdown cuisine came to be. I, I took a look at some of your cooking videos: uh, crispy aromatic duck, uh, mm. gongbao chicken, lamb tagine. They're all very compelling, and uh, certainly it got me salivating. And and uh, as you say, you clearly enjoy cooking. And uh, do you have favorite recipes, favorite foods? Um, above others? Uh, I probably, I have a couple of, I mean, my crispy aromatic duck is something which I really, really love. It's what I call a high impact, low effort, uh, uh, which is the best kind of effort. It's a dinner party food, which is actually very easy to produce, relatively perhaps, but very easy to produce, meaning that you can do it and still have people around for a dinner party without you looking overly sweaty uh, when, when the guests when the guests actually come. So I like that. There's a peasant dish uh, with a, uh, from a family recipe, which I do, called chicken rice. And it doesn't sound compelling at all when I describe it. It's actually a poached chicken dish served with, uh, uh, but then you take the poaching liquor and make everything with it. You make rice, you make the chili sauce, you make the salad dressing, you have the salad. So, so it's a peasant dish because you could take one chicken, cook it in, in, in this liquor, and then feed many, many people. So everybody gets a taste of the chicken because you've you used the stock to cook everything with. 
has a little bit of chicken. Obviously, these days I eat too much chicken. Um, and so that is probably one of my favorite dishes. It's a, it's a Hainanese chicken rice. And my maternal grandfather is from the island of Hainan in China. And so it's a family recipe. So that's probably, those are probably two of my favorite dishes which I cook. Can I ask you, has it been easy to find ingredients during lockdown? Can you speak to some of the stores that you've been, you've been going to? Have there been queues outside or has it been relatively straightforward? Hmm. So um, oddly enough, uh, so things have settled down now, but earlier during lockdown when people were still running around and there was not a roll of loo roll to be found, um, actually the, the worst places to go to get some of the food that I was trying to look for would have been our major supermarkets, Sainsbury's, Tesco's, Morrison's, et cetera, et cetera. And interestingly, my uh, local... Um, Chinese supermarket, which happens to be in one of the villages down, down the way, closer to Cambridge, was A, fully stocked, including with Lou Roll, I want to point out, um, and, uh, and with no queues. Was this because there was some you know, hidden racism? I don't know. I'm not speaking towards that. Uh, but there definitely was no queue to get in. Um, and I could find rice. I could find the sources that I was looking for. And so, no, I didn't have any. So aside from Lou Roll and flour, which is very interesting, trying to find from the supermarket, I had no problem sourcing all the rest of the ingredients. A lot of people are engaging with your online food postings. Have you yourself engaged with any other online food forums? Online food forums? This is, this is interesting. No, um, actually, the, the, I, I lie. I have, actually. So one thing that was that began screening, I think, before lockdown, but then through lockdown is MasterChef. I enjoy watching MasterChef. You can, don't, don't blame me. Don't judge me. Um, and I actually began engaging. So the various contestants, as they get towards the sharper, the pointy end of the competition, then, you know, if you look them up, they then suddenly have Instagram pages and they're beginning to record things. They can't reveal who has won. But I ended up um, engaging with uh, the eventual finalist sandy tang i think is her, is, is her name and anyway we now follow each other on 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 instagram and uh, and i engaged on her instagram page and watching and and watching what she actually uh, cooks as well um and another one is another master chef winner a winner ping from a few years ago i also engaged in her instagram page um looking at her cooking Charles, yo, you're certainly rocking it in the kitchen in lockdown. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Around the Table is a personal production of Dr. Tess Bird and Professor Stanley Uliazak, who are anthropologists of food and nutrition and of household uncertainty and insecurity. The opinions and ideas expressed are solely those of the contributors and podcasters and do not reflect the opinions of any university body. The music in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm.